Your Honor, I object. I've just always wanted to say that. I, thought, I always thought it would be uh, fun to be a lawyer, um, but I am not a lawyer. I actually cannot be a lawyer. I'm a Christian. Um, just, just. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, sorry. We actually, we have a couple lawyers that go here. We, wait, we used to have a couple lawyers they go here. Uh, anyway, uh, we are in the middle of a series ca- uh, called Habakkuk. It's uh, looking at one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. Habakkuk, the name actually means to wrestle or to embrace. Uh, and when we look in this book, it's got a very judicial type of language. Uh, we jumped into this two weeks ago. Let's review it a little bit. We took a little hiatus, talked about Jonah last week. Anyway, when the book was written, it was written around 600 B.C., and God came to Habakkuk, the prophet, and said, listen, I want you to go tell the people that they're very wicked, and as a result of how wicked they are, I'm going to destroy them. And there's a really good chance that Habakkuk was like, yeah, we're pretty wicked. That seems right. And then God adds this little twist, and God says, I'm going to destroy them, but the way I'm going to restro- destroy them is I'm going to raise up a group of Babylonians, and they're going to destroy God's people. And Habakkuk at that moment was like, huh? What? You're going you're gonna to raise whom? I don't know if it's whom or who, but he, he, who, the Babylonians? Because here's the problem. The Babylonians were even more evil than the people of God. So what God is saying is, I'm going to use some really, really, really evil people to destroy some less really evil people. And Habakkuk's like, I object, Your Honor. And if you read through the book, there's sort of this judicial language where Habakkuk is saying, God, I worship you. God, I acknowledge you're an amazing God. I honor you. But God, I'm going to take you to court on this one because I think there's some evidence that proves that your actions and what you're doing, it's not fair. It's not just. We're continuing on with this message series uh, called Revision. And what we're recognizing that oftentimes there are situations... There's things that are happening in our life that are created either by decisions that we make or decisions that other people make. There's these moments, there's these circumstances that we find ourselves in where we feel like life has kind of gone a certain way and now we're stuck there. Sometimes we're like Habakkuk. We're like, this is not fair. This is not right. And what we have to do is we have to begin to revision what our lives can really be so we don't get stuck in the past. We don't get stuck in this situation. And so what we're trying to do this summer is trying to revision what God can truly do and what we can truly discover and discover a true reality based on where we're at. And so to do this, we're looking at these different characters out of the Bible. And oftentimes they're characters that maybe you've not heard of. Uh, If you have heard of them, maybe you don't know the whole story. And so we've looked at the story of Habakkuk, and as I mentioned, we're in our second week of Habakkuk. And if you've ever felt, like as I said, Habakkuk, that you needed to say, God bless you, um, nope, no sneeze. That is truly his name, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. So we're in two, uh, two weeks ago, we recognized the name Habakkuk actually means to wrestle or to embrace. And so what we're talking about is what do we do when we're dealing with a situation where it doesn't seem fair? How do we wrestle and how do we embrace that situation? What do we do when it feels like God doesn't seem to care about our circumstance? What do we do when it feels like God doesn't seem to understand what's going on? How do we process that when it feels like, God, if I was you, I would do this totally different and I know you can do it differently and yet you haven't. If you're ever in that situation, maybe some of you are in that situation right now. I think the story of Habakkuk can speak to us in a great way. And this morning, what I want to talk about and what I want to look at is how can we revision 
waiting in the ditch. When I was younger, uh, early elementary, uh, my dad used to do a lot of refereeing of football games. And we lived in Idaho, and the high Idaho, like nothing is close. Like high schools are a long ways away. Like people don't even know where each other are at. Anyway, you have to drive a long way to go ref these different football games. And so he would end up driving for like an hour or two at a time. So anyway, he goes and he refs this one football game. He's driving home, starts to get tired. And he's, he's driving down the road. He's in this little uh, Dodge Colt, yellow Dodge Colt, and he's driving home, and he starts to get sleepy. And as he's getting sleepy, he falls asleep. Next thing he knows, he wakes up, and the car is now off of the road in the ditch, and the car is sideways. And when he wakes up, he looks out the window, and there's just grass. Just it's kind of funny. You guys are, like, way too serious. He's actually, he's actually running the computer, so this turns out okay. Um, so he's, he's on the side, he's just like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden the car just on its side and slides to a stop. And now he's in the ditch. So he climbs out the other side and he's like, well, what, what do I do now? I'm, I'm waiting in the ditch. So he waits and he waits and he looks for his cell phone and it's 1980, so there isn't one. Right? So he's like, I don't know what to do, right? Well, eventually, as he waits and he waits, some hunters happen to be strolling by, and they come over. They're like, you seem to be in the ditch. <laughs> yeah, and so then they all work together, and they, rock, and they eventually are able to rock the car back onto its side, or back onto its wheels. Dad climbs in, drives home. And for the rest of the time that we own that car, it's got a green racing stripe <laughs> right down the side. <laughs> What do we do when we find ourselves in the ditch? This morning, what, I want us to revision how we wait in that ditch. What do we do when life is, has driven off the road? When, when the details of our life have gotten so beyond what makes sense that the car of our life is actually now tipped over, we can't go anywhere, and we're in the ditch. What do we do? What do we do in that moment while we're waiting for God to respond? And maybe send some other people to come and help us flip the car back over and get back on the wheels and move on. We might have the racing stripe for a while to prove what happened, but what do we do while we're waiting? And how we get in the ditch is different for everyone. Like, we don't all get into the ditch on the same way. I mean, sometimes God doesn't answer a prayer that we really needed him to answer. Maybe we lost our job. Maybe there's a sin that we've struggled with and... and and we can't seem to kick it, and it's back, and now we're in the ditch. Maybe our kids have made some decisions, and it's really just thrown us for a loop. And Maybe we just felt like God should have come through in a way that God can come through, and if God had done what he should have done, everything would be okay, but he didn't. And we want to say, hey, wait a minute, God, you should have done this. I know you can do this. You did nothing. The theologian Henry Blackaby calls this a crisis of belief. That moment where we're like, God, you and I had this deal. Like, I committed myself to you. You committed yourself to taking care of me, and you didn't. And we enter into this crisis of belief. And, and typically, we enter, enter into a crisis of belief where the car is on its side. There's two very common reactions. There's a third reaction that's less common, which way more difficult, but actually brings a better result. But there's two things that we tend to do, two actions. One is a response of denial. Where, where the car is now on its side and we just sort of pretend like it's not a big deal that we're on the side of the road in the ditch. And really when we're on the side of the road in the ditch and we try to cover it up, what we do is we try to take Sunday school answers 
and we try and slap them on top of a situation that we're like, uh, most of these Sunday school answers are the ones that show up in greeting cards and like framed on walls, you know, you're like, okay, that sounds nice, it doesn't really help me. But sometimes we slap these on these and we're like, oh, I should feel better about it, but we're like, I'm still in a ditch on the side of the road. Another response is we say, okay, well, God, you're not going to do your job. Apparently, you don't seem to be doing the things that you could do, so forget you. I'm out. In fact, God, I'm just going to sit here on the side of the road in the ditch, and I'm going to just try and do things my own way because I think I can get my life back on track without you. I'm going to handle it from here, God. God, I I was trusting you, and apparently I shouldn't be trusting you, so forget it. I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to take care of this myself. So those are two options. And then two weeks ago, we looked at another option. In the book of Habakkuk, there's this third option we can take. And I mentioned before, the name Habakkuk actually means to embrace or to wrestle. And when we find ourselves in a point of crisis, when we find ourselves in the ditch, if you and I will choose to continue to embrace, we can also choose to wrestle in these difficult times. Even when we're waiting in the ditch, we can embrace God and we can wrestle with God. And even if things don't get better immediately, Even if things kind of continue to get worse, if we'll be willing to embrace and wrestle, we can watch God begin to grow and move in our lives. And actually, when we're in the middle of the ditch, and if we will hold on to God in that moment, we can find ourselves growing closer to God than any other situation in life. I mean, really, if you look closely at anybody that's very tight with God and have a conversation with them, you will find out that most of the time, God walked with them through a very difficult situation, and they chose in that moment to continue to embrace and continue to wrestle, and ultimately God proved himself to be faithful. So today in the book of Habakkuk, I want to show you three specific things that you and I can do that will allow us to revision what happens when we're waiting in the ditch and how we can begin to make that something that can prove to be positive. All three of them show up in the book of Habakkuk. We're in chapter two. They all show up in the first three verses. This is what it says. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it never linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. When we find ourselves in the ditch, when we find ourselves in the middle of a situation that doesn't make sense, and when God doesn't seem to care, and it appears that that maybe God's not interested in bringing any change to our situation, if we will begin to revision our approach and choose what Habakkuk says here and gives us three different actions that we can take, we can begin to see it differently. And the very first action that we're going to take if we're going to revision this is that we have to stop and we have to choose to listen. When we look at the book of Habakkuk, you go to the very first chapter again. Oftentimes what we do is we like to complain and we like to whine about what God has done or what God hasn't done. And the most amazing thing is that God allows us to complain and God allows us to whine about what's going on in our life. But the beautiful thing is that God then often responds after he gives us the opportunity to speak. And the beautiful thing is that God is willing to listen to us to say, God, you know, I'm not sure why you did this. And God's like, well, I'm going to allow you to wrestle with me. And he says to Habakkuk, listen, you're able to wrestle. That's great. And then he's like, you've stated your case. 
And Habakkuk's like, I've said what I have to say. And now Habakkuk says, God, it's your turn. God, I told you all of my concerns. I told you all of the things that I needed. And now, God, I'm just going to wait for you to answer. God, what do you have to say for yourself? Verse 1 again. He says, so I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. Too often what we do is we just complain or we just whine and we're like, God didn't do what God should have done. And then we just start running all over the place. God didn't do this and God didn't do what he should have done and I should, God, why didn't you? And it, but then we never actually stop to listen to what God has to say to us. And what's so amazing about the God that we serve is he's a relational God, a God that loves to speak to his children, a God who wants to speak to his children, but the problem is, as his children, we don't stop to listen to what God has to say when he speaks. And he's ready to talk to us. He's ready to share with us. He's ready to bring us into what he's doing. And God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. God speaks to us audibly. I've, I've never had that opportunity. I've talked to people that have audibly heard God speak to them. God wants to speak to you through his word. Reading the Bible. Literally, God will speak to you every single day if you'll read his word. God wants to speak to us through the circumstances, to the things happening in our lives and the things that are going around. Us, around. He wants to speak to us through that. He wants to speak to us through other people. God will speak to us often. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes God will be silent. I mean, he's God. We have to give him a little leeway to decide when he's going to speak and when he's not going to speak. But if you and I don't ever stop to listen, we won't ever hear the answers when he does speak because we'll be moving so fast that we'll miss what he has to say. And one of the things that we have to recognize and what we saw last week with Jonah, one of the difficult realities is oftentimes when God does speak to us, we may not like what he has to say. But if we truly want to hear if we're truly going to hear what God has to say, we have to be willing to say, God, here's my concerns, and here's what I have, and God, these are my frustrations, and these are my questions. And then we have to just be still and be quiet and listen and be willing to say, God, if you'll speak to me, even if I don't like it, at least now I know where you stand. God, I, I'm going I'm to voice my concerns. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to recognize that I can embrace you. And if you'll tell me, at least now I'll know what you're up to. But if we don't stop, if we don't listen, if we just keep going, even if we're on the side of the road and we just kind of do our own thing, we will miss what God has to say to us. So we listen. And then after we listen, the next step that will help us revision what we do or how we see things when we're in the ditch is the next thing that we do is we need to write. We need to write down what God says to us. If you feel like God says something to you, if you feel like God communicates it, you need to write it down. And there's a reason that God has us write it down. See, what happens in this story, Habakkuk's like, where are you, God? What's the deal with this, God? What are you allowing to happen, God? And God's like, you want an answer? Okay, I'll give you an answer, but you need to take notes. You need to take notes. Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord replied, Write it down. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Now, there's a great reason he says write it down. There's a great reason why we need to write it down. It's because years later, God is going to prove himself. He's going to prove himself to be just and he's going to prove himself to be true. And what happens if we don't write it down, we don't get to see what God actually 
that he actually did what he said was going to happen because we forget. And then God proves himself and he does exactly what he said he did or was going to do. And if we don't write it down, then we don't remember what he said he was going to do. This probably only happens at my house. Most of you have probably figured this out. My wife, Julie, will say, simple task, run to the store, two items. I'm like, got it. Just two items. You got it. And I'm like, got it. Got it. We repeat it. And then on the way, as I'm driving there, Satan messes with my mind. I mean, literally, I don't know what happened. We, we're like five blocks from Fred Meyer. I don't know. I'm getting into the store. I'm like, two things, two things. Dang it. Not going to call this time, right? I'm just going to go for it. Two trips, two trips, right? Like, I have to write it down. So God says record it. Record it. Because more than driving to the supermarket and forgetting what's there, God, Satan so desperately wants to come in and he wants to steal away the seeds of truth that God plants in our hearts and the thing that God promises us. And Satan wants to say, you forgot. And then we're like, well, God's never done anything. We're like, if we would have written it down, we would see. I mean, you just have to go back to the middle of 2016 as a church. We start talking and dreaming about how do we become a place where people know that we actually exist? How do we become a place where people in our community are aware that we're here? We're, we're, we don't necessarily need them to come right away. We just need to know that they know that we exist on this part of Linwood. And so God starts giving us these different ideas. And one of the ideas that God gives us, he's like, hey, why don't you just build a playground? Just, just put up a playground and let people in your community know, hey, come hang out. If you happen to drive by here pretty much any day, at any time, there's, there's always a family back there. Almost every day I drive in in the morning, kids are playing back there. In the afternoon I leave, kids are playing back there. And it was in 2016 that we're like, hey, let's include this in Impact, our Christmas offering. Let's just see if we can start a little seed money. It's going to take us a couple years to generate enough money, and then we'll have to buy the equipment, and then we'll have to get it installed. Like We're thinking like 2019, maybe. But God's like, hey, I have a vision for you. I have an idea for you. Two weeks ago during camp, when we had Amped happening here, camp would get over at 1 p.m. I'd walk out there like an hour later, and there's still 30 kids playing. I'm like, what in the world? What an amazing addition. And what's so incredible is you can see all those kids playing, but then you can also go back to our staff and our board meetings two years ago, and you can see where we wrote down where it was like God was saying, Make this a part of your plan. Include this in what you're going to do. And now we see that God has done the very thing that he told us we should do. But poor Habakkuk. Not only does Habakkuk have one of the craziest names in the history of the world, apparently he has terrible penmanship. Right? I can completely relate, right, relate to this. Hey, write it down and make it plain. It's literally like God is saying, Habakkuk, do your best work. It's better to do it right the first time than to have to go back and do it a second time. I mean, and it says he's using a tablet. It's clearly not a digital tablet. So probably a stone tablet. How rough is that? Come on, Habakkuk, you can do better. <laughs> like, do your best work, make it plain. And I... I I spend way too much time running these thoughts through my head. But this is an embarrassing moment if you're a prophet and God gives you a message 
And he's like, okay, I write this down, and then I want you to take the tablet, and I want you to go out in front of the people, and I want you to tell them what we talked about. I want you to take down notes on our conversation and go tell them what we talked about. Like, if he's not neat enough with it, right, if he didn't do his best penmanship, he's going to walk out in front of the crowd, and he's going to say, thus says the Lord, you, um, oh, man, I can't even, well, Looks like I said, God said, bring cats into your homes. No, I think, give praise to me alone. Like, my handwriting is so poor. Was it bring cats into your home or was it give praise to me alone? I should have done my best work. See, like, if he doesn't do his best work, there's massive confusion. Because we know God would never say bring cats into your homes. But if he didn't do his best work, massive confusion with drastic implications. (laughs) So he's got to do his best work. So when we find ourselves in the ditch and we want to revision the situation, it starts by listening. It starts by being patient and allowing God opportunity to speak and begin to see what's going on. And then we have to write it down plainly. Because don't write it down plainly. The years down the road, we're going to be like, what did God say he was going to do? And if we want to recall what it is, we need to write it down. So we're going to listen. We're going to write it down. Then we're going to wait. And this is probably the hardest step. The hardest step is we choose to wait. That's awkward. (laughs) You should try to be me in that process. That was even longer than I thought I was going to go. We don't enjoy waiting. We don't want to wait. You guys are like, I got lunch, dude. Let's go. We get the point. Like, we want movement. We want progress. We're like, give me the answers. I don't like sitting here. You get silent. Some of you are like, okay, we got it. Ah. We want instant return. We want instant gratification. We want to throw out a question. We want it right back. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be patient. But what God says to the prophet in chapter, verse 3, he says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks at the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. If God makes a promise, we may have to wait a while, but his promise is something that we can bank on. And some of us in the room right now, we're in a waiting zone. The car is on the side of the road. We're in the ditch. We believe that God has shown us something. We know that God has made a promise. We've written it down, but we're waiting. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're afraid it might not ever happen have to realize, we have to recognize that just because God sets a, a delay in process, it doesn't mean that it's God's denial. 
When God has made a promise, it will happen. It will come to pass. I mean, you don't have to read very much of the Bible to find all these examples and examples and examples of God making a promise, God saying, this is going to happen, and then people waiting. Moses. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, you are going to deliver my people. You are going to rebuild my nation. Go walk around for 40 years in the wilderness by yourself. It's like 200 dog years. Waiting and waiting and waiting. How about Joseph? God comes to Joseph. He's like, hey, Joseph, I'm going to make you a great leader. Before that, your brothers are going to beat the snot out of you, throw you in a pit. You're going to get sold into slavery. You're going to spend two years in prison. And then I'm going to elevate you to be the second in command of all of Egypt. That's a lot of stuff between you're going to be a great leader and being a great leader. That's a lot of waiting. The Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul writes most of the New Testament. One-fifth of the books of the Bible are written down by this guy. He meets Jesus. His life is transformed. In the process, he's like, I have been called to preach. He hears God say, this is what you're on earth to do. You're going to spread the gospel. You're going to tell everybody about me. And Paul's like, this is the one thing I have been called to do. Thirteen years later, he gives his very first message. Thirteen years later, for the very first time, he says, open your Bibles and turn to a book I wrote. <laughs> Pretty good gig. Thirteen years he waits to get to preach his first message. And some of us are in a ditch, and we're like, I've been here a whole month. Wait. And here's what happens. When we're in a ditch, what we have to understand, that being in a ditch doesn't mean that it's a lack of something. It doesn't mean there's a void of action. It doesn't mean there's not progress. Yeah, it's going to be rough, and yeah, everything's not what we hope for. But if you and I will decide to hang in there, the time is coming. It will happen. If God has promised it, it will happen might not be today or tomorrow or this month or next month or this year or next year. We might be in the ditch for a long time. And if it wasn't unpleasant, it really wouldn't be a ditch. So it's just kind of what it is. So we have to hang in there. And trust that God is going to come through. And maybe it's not going to be as fast as we like it. But the ditch isn't going to be forever. And when we can reach the realization that you and I can still be a part of some amazing things, that we can still be a part of some incredible happenings, even while we're in the ditch. Because the problem is, we think waiting is all about not moving. When you go to a restaurant and you sit down, there's a person that shows up and they bring you your menu. And then this person comes up and they take your order. And then this person goes away and tells somebody else to make the food. And then this person brings all of your food back to you. And then we eat. And then this person brings us refills. And then we're saying, I need more of French fries. And then this person brings back the French fries. And we call this person a waiter. They haven't been waiting at all. The waiter is the one running around crazy serving the whole time. And when we're in a ditch, waiting 
for God to give us an answer to our situation, one of the best actions we can take when we're waiting is to serve. One of the greatest positive things that we can do in the process of waiting is to serve. Say, God, how can I serve you? Probably by serving other people. God, I'm waiting for an answer from you, but it doesn't mean there's no movement. Fact is, there should probably be more movement when we're waiting. We got nothing else to do. So start serving. I mean, you can either wait in the ditch and count blades of grass, and that waiting is going to take a long time. Or you can be waiting for your answer and say, God, would you make this the most amazing moment of joy and fulfillment? Because I'm going to serve you with everything that I can in every way that you want. I'm in the ditch. I'm not going anywhere anyway, so I might as well do it. And when we don't understand what's going on, we can continue to serve and we continue to wait for God to come along and provide the answers that we want or that we're looking for. And God says, at the appointed time, when the time is right, I'll give you your answer and I'll, I'll pull you up out of the ditch, but for right now, wait. Listen again to what Habakkuk says. I want to, this is out of the Living Bible. It's a different version, slightly written just a little bit different way. This is, the trans, this is what Habakkuk was supposed to write down plainly. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I'm a terrible gardener. Terrible. There's not a single bit of color outside of our house that came because of me. None. But what I do know is that if you plant a seed and you put some water on it, after that point, you wait. You can't really speed up the process by watching it. The plant's like, no, I'm not doing it because you're watching. You, you, can't, you can't worry about it to make it grow faster. You can't yell at it to get it to grow sooner. The, the process of the plant growing is just going to happen at the speed that it's going to happen. You don't, have, you don't have to worry about it. It's just and God's like, don't despair. Just because the promise hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And if we know that God is on it, it's going to happen. And when God has planned it, it will never be overdue. It will never be behind schedule. It'll never be ahead of schedule. It'll happen exactly when it needs to happen. And some of us in the room right now, we're in a waiting zone. And you're in the ditch. And you could paint the picture of how you got in the ditch and what's going on and what, what God didn't come through and how you're waiting. It. But if God's given you a promise, if there's a promise, even in Scripture, that you're clinging through... To clinging to and you don't see it yet it's coming and God says to Habakkuk listen um, I'm going to speak to you and I want you to take notes and I want you to wait and I want you to wait and God's like listen Habakkuk I know what part of your problem is I know you're in the ditch and you want an answer and I know that one of the things you're struggling with is you're like but the Babylonians are so bad they need to get theirs somebody needs to step up and take care of the Babylonians don't just do it to us God what about the Babylonians? And God's like, they're going to get theirs. Don't worry about it. When I'm ready, God's like, when I'm ready and when the time is right, I'm going to take care of the Babylonians. Don't worry about the Babylonians. 
It's like that moment when you're a kid and you do something and your, mom, and your mom's like, okay, that was not okay. Wait till your father gets home. I, I don't know about you. That just used to scare the fire out of me. It's like, ah, wait till my dad gets home. Like, mom, no, you can ground me. I'll clean toilets. Let my brothers beat me up. I don't care. Just don't tell dad. It's not like he ever came home and beat me or did anything cruel. Literally, it was just the anticipation of trouble. She just ruined my whole day. And God's like saying, listen, Habakkuk, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of the Babylonians. And when we're in the ditch, and when there's issues, and when there's people that have caused us to be in the ditch, what God wants to say is, just let me deal with that. If you're in the ditch and you spend all your time worried about the people that put you in the ditch, you're wasting your time. God's like, just listen. Write down what I tell you. Wait. Serve like crazy. And God's like, let me deal with that other stuff. In fact, here's what God says about the Babylonians. He's like, see the Babylonian, the Babylon, see Babylon is puffed up. His desires are not upright. And then God goes on. He's like, I'm going to take care of them. In fact, like God's like, I'm going to take care of him. And he's actually like, there's five woes to the Babylonians. We don't actually have time to look at all the woes, but the blanks are in there already. So I had to tell you that so you could fill it out. But there's woes, just so you know. There are woes, and you might want to go read through those um, when you have a moment. Mostly because woes are kind of the things that we say right before somebody steps in a pile of dog poo, right? Like if you see somebody walking for a, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you should read the woes so you don't step in them. But this morning, the focus is, what do we do when we're in the ditch? When we're in the, we're in the ditch, there's some really important words to remember. When we're sitting in the ditch and things aren't right, and when we're frustrated with God, because he hasn't come through the way we thought he should come through, and the way that we know he can come through, the important words that we need to remember are this, but the Lord. Three simple words. That if you and I will remember, if you and I will choose to never let go of these, no matter what's going on, if we desire to continue to grow closer to God, these three words can continue to allow us to go through a journey of intimacy and trust and faith and grow closer to God, even in the middle of the ditch. We find these words in verse 20. Habakkuk says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. See, being in the ditch, when things don't make sense, but the Lord is still good. And when we don't like what we see going on and when it doesn't make sense in our heads and we're like, this is not fair, but the Lord is still righteous and he is still true. But the Lord is still there and he's still holy and he's still in his temple, which means he's still in charge. Even when everything isn't what we want to see, if we'll remember, but the Lord still is over all of it. Let all of the earth be silent. Basically, it's saying God is so great and God is so good that even when all things are going wrong and it seems like it's not going to work, but the Lord is still Lord and he is still holy and he is still bigger than any circumstances that we come up against. And if you and I will continue to believe that God is on the throne, when we're sitting in the ditch on the side of the road, but the Lord, and then we listen, and then we write it down, and we record it, and we wait, and we find ways to serve God, 
and we grow in our faith because we say, but the Lord is still holy and he is still on the throne. And in your connect cards every week, we just challenge you to think through what it is that God is saying to you this morning. To determine what your next step is based on what you've heard today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe you're like, nah, I'm, like not on, I'm not in the ditch. But if you are, or maybe you're anticipating it, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is to identify the situations in your life that just, you, you just don't understand. Maybe your next step is to begin to listen and write down what God reveals about your situation. Maybe your next step is to determine how you'll live by faith even while you're stuck in the ditch. And maybe your next step is to consider what God has already taught you during your time in the ditch. Whatever it is, wherever you're at, I would just say let Jesus speak to you this morning and take the steps that you need to take. Let's pray. God, thank you for Habakkuk's willingness to wrestle and his willingness to embrace and his willingness to push through when he didn't understand. God, thank you in the middle of all kinds of things happening that we don't get, that we don't understand, that don't seem fair. God, would you help us to recognize you're still the Lord and you're still in charge and you're still in control. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not right. Help us to recognize that you're so much bigger than any circumstance, any situation. To be patient, to wait on you, to listen and to trust you. God, would you give us that reassurance, even if we're sitting on the side of the road in the ditch, that you will come through in, in ways we maybe never would have expected. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.